1: Happy day 2,550 of living with a small biological warfare experiment, which is why I sound like this today. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox, and today I'm joined by the Mirror's Northwest reporter, Holly Bone. Good morning, Holly. Hello. Uh, She's going to... This is the first time Holly's been here. She's been on the scene at St. Michael's on Wire for the disappearance of uh, Nicola Bully for the last three weeks. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Now, this is the People's Paper Review. So get into the comments, ask us your questions. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to cop up something unpleasant later on. Uh, Now... What have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on news that NHS staff who contracted long COVID are being fired while their bosses deny they caught the coronavirus at work, where, of course, they were surrounded by coronavirus. More on that story a bit later on, because first, as we've got Holly with us, I want to talk about the disappearance of Nicola Bulley which is now, I think, in its third week with still no clues as to what happened to her. Now, for those of you who've been under a rock (coughs) recently, this mum of two was walking her dog Willow and on a work video call when she just disappeared. Her phone was found on a bench, the dog in a distressed state nearby, and the police immediately began working on the theory that she'd fallen into the nearby river and drowned. <clears throat> now, last week, a private search team announced there was no sign of her in that river, and which is only two foot deep where she's supposed to have fallen in, and Nicola's family and friends say it would have been impossible for her to come to harm that way. Attention is now turning to the local area and in the paper today it's reporting that Holly, that as her partner Paul is pictured there, tying a a yellow ribbon on a nearby bridge, which is to focus attention on the spot where she was last seen, there's been some fresh sightings and some potential new witnesses. So where are we now with things?
0: Yeah, well I mean, the, the case rolls on, doesn't it? I mean, it's I think that what it's baffled the nation. It's got everybody talking about it. Just this weekend, you know, went out and for a meal and the, the couple next to me were talking about it. You go into the nail salon and all the women there are talking about it. And I think everybody just wants to know that um, you know, what has happened to Nicola Bully. And watching the interview with her partner Paul on Friday evening, you know, he talks about how um they 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 consider all of these theories and every time they just come to a brick wall. Because when you when you think about all the different possibilities of what could happen to somebody if they disappear by a river, you think about the evidence that goes with it. Now, for each for each different theory about Nicola, the evidence doesn't stack up and the clues that have been left behind are just completely baffling. And I think that's why it's attracted so much attention. So this week, um, obviously Paul has called for a wider land search uh, at the end of last week. And so far the police, Lancashire police have only searched, they tell us a a one kilometre radius from where her last um, known sighting was. So I think really, the, their next step and what they'll be expected to do next will be to expand that search and start to look further on land because paul says that he's 100 percent convinced that it's not the river
1: yeah so they've searched in a one kilometer radius around where she was last seen Um, and that's sort of along footpaths and through fields like this here, that kind of area. They've searched one or two abandoned houses, I think, that were nearby, but they haven't done house-to-house, have they?
0: They've made house-to-house inquiries. They've made house-to-house inquiries, but I think what's really important to remember with this case is that throughout it, they've been treating it as a missing persons case. Now, they have insisted throughout that entire time that for them, there is no suspicious element. There is nothing about this case that causes them to feel concerned that there is a criminal element. I mean, they eliminated that prospect really quickly, which was, I've got to be honest, it was quite bizarre. You know, everybody that you speak to on the scene, locals, you know, um, people coming down to volunteer their time to walk the route to try and help find evidence or find Nicola, they're all saying the same thing. And so were the journalists. Why is this path not cordoned off? I mean, it was the first question that I asked um, in the very first press conference, the Monday, following her disappearance on the Friday morning. And uh, Sally Riley, Superintendent Sally Riley's response was, we wouldn't we wouldn't um, invite forensics to the scene and we wouldn't set up a cordon unless we felt that a crime had been committed. Now, obviously, I don't claim to be an expert with, you know, police proceedings, and I'm not a crime expert, but it does strike me as strange that, you know, clearly this is a rural area, a woman has gone missing, and, you know, all and sundry have have come to this, uh, this tiny village to help, and that's great, you know, we obviously want, the family wants as many people to help as possible, um, but... And, and looking for Nicola as possible but it does strike me as bizarre that there could be evidence there at the scene which may now be damaged um mm-hmm. I think a crime expert said over the weekend um that any trace of Nicola that had once been at the scene wouldn't be there anymore because obviously you know so many people visited
1: <clears Yes. throat> that's the thing and you're right to point it out actually that if they, if there was some sign, say of a struggle or something at the scene, then that would start a different police procedure going by the book. Whereas if there's just there seems to be nothing there, then the police procedure by the book is slightly different. But as you say, this is a rural area. There is nothing in Nicola's personal life to suggest that she would be walking out. That she, you know, she, that she took anything with her. Um, that there was any kind of a problem at home. We know her partner was at home the whole time this was going on. So the usual suspect is not someone that is is in the frame. Um, <clears throat> and there's just, there is plainly something quite amiss that's gone wrong. And it's far too late now for that forensic stuff to, to be happening. I mean, I'm sure that there'll be lots of people getting into the comments and telling us what they think about all this. Um, and we are interested in the same ones. So let us know how you think the police investigation is going and uh, how the, the story has affected you. But as far as the police handling of things, Holly, I mean, Mike says here, I may be overthinking it, but it seems odd the police have insisted it's not a criminal investigation. If they didn't know anything, why not keep all options open? Why not try to, why not treat it as criminal until they know otherwise i mean there's if you you need the evidence gathering which comes when you you go into that bit of the police handbook if you like then <clears throat> you need to gather the evidence to see if the crime if there isn't a crime surely as well
0: yeah, I think that's it. It comes down to their their police handbook, doesn't it? That's why. So they've what they've done, and, and what they kind of say to us when we speak to them about it in these press conferences is that they have ruled it out because they, um, like I was talking at the beginning, they you know you think about the different theories and the evidence that stacks up against them. Well, they're saying that there's um, they've eliminated the possibility that Nick left the riverside because um, they've got you know, CCTV or the exits, exits are locked away from that area. So she would have been seen. I mean, the one exit that she could have taken that doesn't have CCTV is obviously the one that leads out onto the main road, Garstang Road, and they're appealing for those 700 drivers that came through the village to um, supply any dash cam on the off chance that she did actually manage to get out there. But the thing is, is that just because they can say, that it's very unlikely that she's left the riverside doesn't mean that they can say it definitely. And I think that's what's getting a lot of people's backs up about this investigation is that, you know, obviously until they've heard from these 700 drivers and, you know, how can they say with absolute certainty that she didn't leave the riverside? And I think that's kind of the point that Paul is making as well. I mean, there's been such an extensive search of the river. And whilst we know that obviously rivers and they have a lot of variables, so we can't rule that out either yet. And, you know, he he thinks that it's highly unlikely that she's fallen in the river given the extensive and intensive search that they've done and the nature of that river the way it bends it's slow moving so I think you know Mike's point is interesting and and I, I have to agree with him you know how can they rule that out how can they rule out foul play how can they rule out the fact that she's left the riverside um until they've got absolute certainty and you know from what they've told us so far i don't know that they do necessarily have that
1: No. I mean, um, the the perception of the police handling of the whole thing is that it seems to be that it's it's not going well. And the police would probably say, well, that's come because those stupid journalists, they're saying things about what we're talking about. Now, I've covered a lot of these kind of stories myself when I was on the road. And when the police come out and say we think X happened, as they have in a number of high profile cases, it's usually because they've got some kind of evidence of X happening. When they come out and say, we think X happened, but we have no evidence that leads us to that. It's just what we think. That's our supposition. It almost always spells or indicates a kind of a an internal collapse within the investigation in the way they're conducting it, the way they're thinking about it. You're on the ground. You're speaking to them regularly. Are they going – are they – happy I suppose with the way they're doing it are are they a bit overwhelmed perhaps by the pressure and the attention and that's leading them to make some mistakes
0: I it's something that's crossed my mind yeah I mean obviously I don't I don't want to criticise um too much Lanx police because they're sort of on my patch and I want to kind of keep a good working relationship with them but ultimately the thing is is that I have thought that, you know, they're obviously, the nature of their their patch that they cover, Lancashire is a very, very rural area, the county, the kind of crimes that they're normally dealing with, we're talking, you know, sort of like the kind of typical farm sort of crimes and rural crimes that you would expect from a from a big uh county where a lot of it is just you know rolling hills and grasslands and so I think that um when I was watching the first press conference and suddenly the next few updates after that I was thinking you know this is a really interesting case for them they probably haven't had something like this for a long time and I think there was a, a young chap called uh Robert Jones I think was um, Roger Jones sorry who had gone missing 45 years ago but this is certainly unusual as well for the area so I do think that there could be a level um, of of, of feeling overwhelmed um, by all of this national media attention on Lancashire and certainly I agree that they um, have, have put themselves at risk of pigeonholing themselves boxing themselves into a theory and that's something that you know other crime experts from around the UK have warned them about as well you know they've come out publicly and said that the police here have really put themselves at risk of of saying we think it's this when later down the line if new evidence comes to light that it's not they they're putting themselves at risk of of really messing it up basically.
1: Yeah I mean we've seen similar things happen with High-profile uh, disappearances or murders and things. I mean, there was the, the the murder of Jill Dando springs to mind, and the arrest of Barry George, which was definitely the police grasping at straws a bit, uh, and then uh, with the murder of Joanna Yates, which of course happened over the Christmas period, when there's very little other news around, and then the arrest of Christopher Jeffries, which went horribly wrong as well. They do so- sometimes go that might fit the, the pressure of the attention. It's not just the media now. It's everyone who's out there with a smartphone. All that mm. pressure and all that people who care makes them want to fix it out of the best possible intentions. And then they, they might grasp at the wrong thing. Um, Scott says, when were these fresh sightings? And Scott's got a, a point here. So, um We've got these new witnesses who've come forward sort of during the weekend, it would appear after some of the recent coverage and say they have seen some men acting suspiciously. Um, these were two men, I think, uh, on the, the day before, uh, Holly's, dis- uh, Nicholas disappearance, uh, who are carrying fishing equipment and they are wrapped up quite warm on a mild day. So someone with hindsight decided that that seems suspicious. And apparently one of the guys was spotted there back again the next morning, which is the day that Nicola disappeared. Um, Holly, what more do we know about all that? Do we know if, I mean, presumably they're, they're going to want to trace these, all of these people, they're going to want to trace the, the men, these suspicious looking fishermen as well, aren't they?
0: They are. Yeah. I mean, I think, We haven't heard either anything from police yet about um, whether they're following up on um, sightings of uh, a suspicious looking red van as well. Um, I think what's important is that some of these witnesses um, that have mentioned these things, like the fisherman, like the red van, have, have reflected on what would otherwise be completely innocuous, you know things that they probably wouldn't have noticed wouldn't, wouldn't have thought about and then obviously having reflected on um the Nicola bully disappearance have remembered things that they thought actually maybe I'll just tell the police this in case it turns out to be anything but what, what we have haven't had yet from police is confirmation that they definitely are looking into um, this. So I mean obviously when the red van was mentioned last week, it was put to police but they haven't kind of come back and confirmed that they're following it up as a line of inquiry. I mean they've said um, as a general blanket statement that they're open to any information which helps them find Nicola and despite the fact that they've come out and said that they don't think there's a suspicious element, they obviously are open to anything that can help them um you know find her and they're keeping an open mind is what they've kept saying throughout all of this to to the various possibilities so it's a bit of a bizarre one from the police perspective again um because you know like we were just saying about sort of pigeonholing yourself into a theory they've kind of come out and said what they think has happened but they are also sort of counteracting that by saying that they're keeping an open mind and they want people like this, who saw things like this, to come forward. So I think what remains to be seen for this week and what we'll really be pushing the police on is these suspicious sightings, what are you doing with this information? Are you investigating it as an active line of inquiry?
1: Exactly. Um, <clears throat> you know, Just speaking as journalists, if you go in and, and have an opinion about how the story ought to be or sounds like to you before you sort of go in the front door as it were then you just ask entirely different questions don't you than than if you think the story is something different so the whole trick when you're trying to find out what really happened is to is to make sure you ask all the questions about all the things from all the different perspectives which is why sometimes interviews go on for hours um and and to try to form a, as clear a, a view of things as you possibly can um which presumably lots of the many police officers down there are going to be trying to do but If they're working towards one thing, uh, or that's their main hypothesis that they're trying to prove or disprove, then that's where the the problems might come in. Now, um, one of the more horrible aspects of this story is that there are about a billion people out there uh, prepared to say what they think happened uh, from the comfort of their armchairs. Uh, There are quite a few others who have turned up in uh, the village and are making pests of themselves holly and um, there's tiktokers and goodness knows what else what's it like in the village now what's the what's the atmosphere like with all these people pitching up
0: do you know what i've got to be completely honest it's it's actually the atmosphere has turned something hostile um and i think that's because you've got to remember that whilst this is a a huge case that's attracted you know national attention This is still a sleepy, small little village where um, people are they live there this is their life um and at the the end of the day the these people coming in almost treating it like a dark tourism hotspot and you know there's some people there's reports of people bringing their kids and setting up a picnic by the bench where Nicola's phone was found um and it just really it's not the right um I don't think it's the right take the right tone at all is it I think it's just very um it sets a bad taste in the mouth of the local locals, the people who were clearly affected by this, I mean, even the people that weren't directly friends with Nicola, they tell us that they, you know, she was a huge part of the village. I mean, she was a a member of the PTA at her at children's school she set up all of the mummy's nights um you know she was well known in the village and also she's some, she's a character who a lot of the women there can really identify with their children go to that school they have a dog they walk their dog and it could have been them. So this has really affected the local people there emotionally, even if they're not directly connected to Nicola. And for people to just turn up and claim that they're gonna try and find Nicola bully um, by you know breaking into properties, trespassing, um, they've broken into a, a pump station near the river, which obviously, you know, police have already looked at. Um, it just really, really doesn't um, leave a good taste, like I say, in the mouth of the locals, and I think that's created some hostility towards uh, reporters and towards um, you know people coming and visiting, um, which I completely understand to be honest.
1: Yeah, because they see someone with a camera or a video camera or whatever, and they they don't know if that person's a reporter or an idiot. Well, sometimes it's both, of course. Um, And so there's there's the same hostility, isn't there? And that happens. Now, interestingly, this kind of thing is very recent. This is almost as a phenomenon because, you know, when we were talking earlier on about... um, high-profile disappearances and investigations going on. Of course, the, the disappearance of Millie Dowler is probably the most like this in a way, in that she just appeared to disappear out of, of thin air. Everyone was treating that as a missing person for a very long time. And the the police investigation got really stuck and went down some very deep and dark rabbit holes and got nowhere near finding um, Le- Levi Belfield, who had actually snatched her in the road, and who um and then went on to kill other people because the police hadn't caught him so i mean but when that happened you didn't have you know members of the public turning up in 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 where where she disappeared in surrey and saying i i can fix it i mean you had the problems with the news of the world and phone hacking and things like this but you didn't have and you haven't had with the suffolk ripper that i covered and you haven't had with christopher jeffrey's case you didn't have members of the public perhaps someone local who's a bit interested but you never had a member of the public come traveling a distance to have a picnic where Millie Dowler was snatched that's that's very recent What? why do you think that is is that just social media that kind of dissociates us from from a, from reality in some way and it 100
0: 100 I think it's I think it's all down to social media actually I think social media you know in the even in my lifetime i mean i'm 27 and when i was um you know 15 16 it was like facebook was kind of only really kind of getting started and now like fast forward you know 10 years plus and we've got tiktok you know instagram um, be real all of this just an explosion of these social media sites and i think it's really um sort of the ones where um people can share their views and and videos and clips like that um at, you know youtube again that's come on a long way and i think that there's a real interest now in sort of video content which most of the time is great um but we've seen the rise of things like urban explorers and people who will just kind of freely go on to other people's property to make a good. Um, a good piece of video footage that's interesting to their viewers. And, and obviously that, um, as they amass more followers and, um, you know, the the algorithms that more of their videos are being watched, it gets shared you know, nationwide and, and more and more people are seeing it. And then obviously that again, you know, maybe people who wouldn't have watched the news or people who don't, um, maybe wouldn't have watched the Nicola Bully case unfold on on Sky or BBC or in the papers or whatever. Now they're seeing it on TikTok and they think that, They can go along and and kind of take part of it because of the way that that debate is being um, sort of the, the, the narrative of that debate, I guess, on social media, which isn't governed by things like IPSO and, you know, Ofcom, which obviously makes sure that we go about things in an ethical and correct, you know, legal way. Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm. and it's laughably some of the people who will be following that stuff will be saying it's because they can't trust the media whereas what yeah. the you're following is literally just some bloke in the street but I'm going to have to have a <clears throat> uh, <throat> Now uh, uh, we're going to have to uh, move on to the next story um, but it's worth I mean, I'm I'm sure there are people in what Holly just said there who, like me, because we are 20 years older than Holly, are going to have to go and Google about five of the things she just mentioned to find <laughs> out what the hell that was. But thank you for explaining it, um, Holly. There's an there's also there's another bit of a conspiracy theory that I ended up on last week, which was that um, Nicola was a figment of artificial in, in, intelligence. Her, she, her persona being created, it was all fake, and a Lancashire Police were involved in a big conspiracy. Uh, trying to terrify everyone into getting microchipped so the government knew where we were at all time. This is called chipping, apparently, uh, which I thought at first was a bit dirty. But no, it's just putting a microchip in. You're quite disappointed to find that out. Um, But, yeah, there's all kinds of just mad stuff going on about this. And you need to remember there is a family that have lost their mum and their partner and their daughter and their sister. uh, And that could be just about any one of us that have just disappeared off the streets. Let's hope that the police manage to find some proper answers at some point this week. Now, Moving on to the next story, back to that front page again and the awful tales of nurses who have been fired after contracting long COVID. This is when you've caught coronavirus and it has absolutely just sort of wrecked your immune system and your whole body sort of multi-organ dysfunction kicks in for months, years later. Now, the government brought in employment measures during the pandemic to prevent nurses being fired for long term sickness, the NHS staff. But that ended last September. And if you don't return to within six months, out the door you go. So the first ones are now losing their jobs and the ones who obviously were working for the shortest periods beforehand with the fewest employment rights have gone first. And inside on pages four and five is the story of two nurses left absolutely debilitated and disabled. By um I mean, one of them's even a student nurse, Amy there. another one's a prison nurse, uh, really in a bad state as a result of coronavirus. And normally, Holly, if you're injured at work, you know, if we were injured working for the mirror, if we fell over and smacked our heads or whatever, um which never happens in a mirror newsroom, um you would get to sue the employer perhaps if they've left a wire out or something, but there would be a mate, there' be an incident report at the time. Someone would write down, that it had happened and then if there was a problem later on you could use that incident report to say well this is when I was injured whatever so the nurses can't do this though can they what's happened with them?
0: No I mean the 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 thing is is they what's happened to them is that obviously they've it's just the complete disdain isn't it for for the RNHS staff they spend all their time through Covid uh, looking after us caring for us you know our health is is paramount um for them and then when it comes to their health we uh, just don't seem to um to look after them really um so yeah i mean what what got me about this story um was that the fact that rishi sunak can get a helicopter and a private jet to where he needs to be find the money for that with ta- p- taxpayers money but we can't even you know find the money to keep um, you know, our are, are poorly nurses on full pay after they've basically caught COVID, looking after the general population, and it's it's affected them long term.
1: Yeah, and it's not like junior nurses earn that much to start with, is it? Anyway, so what's what's really happened here is that because there was a pandemic going on, um, there weren't any sort of incident reports written at a time that someone was injured because. Nurses and doctors were surrounded by coronavirus. It was everywhere they went. Um, <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of PPE and there certainly wasn't much time to go writing incident reports saying, I think one of my members of staff might have come in contact with people with, uh, with coronavirus today because every day was a coronavirus day, wasn't it? So consequently, there is no incident report for them being injured at work. Therefore, they cannot now sue because they've been injured at work. And suing when you've been disabled as a result of something you've done in your employment normally would be something that would help with your long term care costs and so on. So those NHS staff who we're all out clapping for um, are not able to get the protection they need. I'm sure that what will have to happen, uh, that will be happening to thousands of others as well in the next few months. Unless there is a rule change for them. Uh, And I doubt this government is up to doing that, but maybe they will be forced to it. Let's hope so. I'm sure the Mirror will cover more of that as we go. Um, Right. Thank you for that, Holly. Thank you for your questions, everybody. We're going to move on to some good news now because I've done this for half an hour and I'm about to expire. Now, we have found some good news in the world. Here it is. Now, my last streps will just about get us through this. Buckle your belts, everyone, for a return to normality. Energy bills are going down, apparently. That's right. Having jumped first into being stratospheric and then intergalactic in cost, it is now reported that within months, the roller coaster of how much it costs to heat your home will be head back into orbit again. A cut in the wholesale price of gas means that energy suppliers will soon start offering us fixed rates again well most of us on a variable rate now which means they keep us racking up they'll go back to fixed rates so you will know exactly what you're spending and because more than one of them is doing it they will have to compete and therefore they will start perhaps to bring the price down a bit um don't count your chickens yet too much because the cap is still going up to three grand a year which is 500 quid more than it is now so it will still be pricier than it was before this, Holly, but it is a bit better than it, it should be. Hopefully, anyway, It might, might come down a tiny, teeny, tiny amount. Is it proof, do you think, that in the end the customer always comes first? Well, um,
0: I think really, um, it, you know, it's about time, isn't it? We see all this stuff about the profits of these um, huge, you know, uh, gas firms. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, the customer needs to come first. I don't think that the customer necessarily always does come first. I mean, look at the state of affairs over the last, you know, um few months since since the uh, the announcement first came out about the price cap lift. Um, but I think it's time that we we start looking after people. Some of the horror stories that have come out from this story have just been, they've been devastating, haven't they, really? You know, old people, there's been people dying of hypothermia. So the customer needs to start coming first now if we're looking after people properly.
1: Yeah, uh, fixed rates are going to be beneficial but of course they need to come down totally the prices is not just having a fixed rate that you know you're paying a billion pounds a month you need to know there's going to be less than a billion pounds a month a lot of those stories that we've seen have been people who were terrified of what the bill was going to be so therefore didn't put the heating on and all right yeah. we're we'll warming up again a bit now so we're kind of through some of the worst of it but um you know there are lots of people who had a very difficult winter uh, and they need to have some certainty. I would have thought, but it's, it's it's positive. The prices are coming down for something somewhere slightly. There you go. <clears throat> so it's qualified. Uh, right. I'm gonna have to go and have some honey and lemon. Thank you, Holly, for explaining all this to us. Good luck in some on wire this week. Keep um, the uh, the scrutiny of spotlight and everything on the police for us, and let us know how things go. And um, thank you everyone for taking part. Thank you for your comments. Uh, please don't uh, repeat any mad conspiracy theories about this disappearance of Nicola bully because it's very unreasonable. Uh, and if you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review so other people can find us. Uh, thank you, everyone. And uh, as long as my voice holds out, we will see you again on Wednesday for another edition of the uh, Tom Waits News Agenda. Tatty bye.